0: Welcome into the Nick Bob podcast and uh, a very special episode. And you know, there's a saying better late than never. Well, that applies to today. I know college basketball has tipped off for a few days now, but I really wanted to give you my big East conference preview uh, before we dive into it. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the pod, man. Pod is available anywhere you can download podcasts, but make sure you subscribe. Yes, it helps me, but it also helps you. Make sure you never miss an episode. We got tons of good stuff. Obviously, it's basketball season, football season, colliding. Uh still got some interesting things with uh, with with hoops that we got to dive into and with uh, husker football as well. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast. All right, M- my big east preview. I mean, I, I I'm that there's not a conference I've I've followed closer and been more involved with than the Big East over the last uh five, six, seven years years or so this is my uh, sixth year covering the league for fox sports one as an analyst uh so I, i have been intimately involved with all 10 teams all the coaches uh all the players kind of their their arc of their last three or four years where they're at all those sorts of things so i feel like uh i feel like i have a great feel for this conference and each team. So, what I kind of want to do is dive in uh, to each team. I'll give you my predictions on on how I kind of forecast uh, maybe the final standings, looking at the uh, at the beginning of March, and then also got some uh, some superlatives and some oh, preseason awards I want to hand out as well. So, uh, this is this is going to be fun. Let's dive into. Let's start with Butler. So, you you look at at last year. You know, well, Butler was uh, a couple of nuggets here. Butler was one of eight schools to win an NCAA tournament game from 2015 to 2018. And that streak was broke last year, which is obviously, uh, you know, Butler has a standard. It was the second losing season uh, since 2005. Uh, so you could tell there was some some frustrated, uh, you know, Coach, Coach Jordan was frustrated. A lot of people around the program were frustrated with how things went. Um, but, you know, I think they're, that's one of the best programs in the country, and uh, I expect them to bounce back. Uh, they're really good at home. They've won uh, 51 consecutive non conference home games, second behind Duke. So they're pretty good at Hinkle Fieldhouse. And when you looked at last year, Laval Jordan, reading some different quotes uh, from him, he was disappointed in the defense. And their ability to sustain it and get stops last year, their inability to string together stops didn't allow them to play in transition. So they were constantly going against a half-court set defense, which m- makes life hard. And I just think they found out last last year they got a, they had a hard time scoring some nights without Keelan Martin. And they didn't just have a guy that they could throw it to and just go and he could just go get his. Keelan Martin was one of those guys. He's get him at the elbow, get him on the wing, and he could just go get a jumper, get fouled, go get a bucket. Kamar Baldwin uh, went through an adjustment period last year to being the number one guy and the and de- the focal point of a defensive uh, scatter report and that's an adjustment man. I mean he was always playing alongside uh, Keelan Martin and so he was getting all the attention and I, I, I love Kamar Baldwin. I do think he's better suited as a as a Robin than a Batman. And that isn't meant to be a slight, because I think he's an excellent player. I mean, he's scored over 1,400 points in his career, preseason all-conference guy. But you know he's, just, he's not necessarily an elite scorer with that kind of a mindset. He doesn't have the mindset of Miles Powell and Marcus Howard. He's, he's kind of a tough winner, do-the-little-things guy who's not afraid of the big moment. But he's going to have to expand into becoming Batman this year, because they, the, Butler needs him to, to be that guy and when when you looked at last year as well Butler's margin for error was just small because you know they didn't force a lot of turnovers they didn't get a lot of second chance points and they they didn't get to the free throw line a lot that's something I've talked to Laval Jordan with a lot uh 15% of their total points came from the free throw line last year that ranked 322nd in the country so Easy baskets were, were hard to get, and that puts a ton of pressure on your execution in the half court to be off the charts, and it puts a ton of pressure on you to make threes. So, yeah, probably going to want to get to the line a little bit more, need Kamar Baldwin to expand um, to, to make offense a little bit easier for him. They got two guys that I absolutely love as kind of great roll glue guys. The first one's Aaron Thompson. Uh, he's one of my favorite players in the league. Best uh the best on-ball defender in the Big East. Super smart, great passer, just the type of guy you want on your team. And again, an elite on-ball defender. His only issue is he's not a good three-point shooter or a very good scorer in general. So it kind of caps his overall game, but I just love this kid. Sean McDermott is an elite shooter, super smart. And what will be interesting for him when he contrasts last year to this year, he had to play the four at times last year, which was tough on him, you know, because he's, he's more of a wing. And when you're having to to wrestle big four and fives down in the paint, that takes away your legs to make shots on the other end. This year, because of some some newcomers, he's going to be able to play the wing, which I think will suit him better on a variety of levels. And he's a he's just an excellent shooter, guy that knows who he is, never tries to do too much. I really like McDermott. Jordan Tucker – is a uh, he was a top forty recruit, went to Duke, and then transferred to Butler, and he became eligible at semester last year, and he made shots, but he wasn't quite as impactful as I think most hoped he would be, or what you would anticipate, you know, a a Duke transfer to be. Uh, you know, because he's got to learn how to do more than just shoot and score. He's got to impact the game in other ways. 67% of his field goal attempts are threes. So he's got to diversify his offensive game a bit and just take another step as a player because, you know, he's got the physical tools. I mean, you don't get a scholarship and go to Duke being a bum. I mean, he's got the tools. Uh, other returners. You know, I, I was told that uh, by Laval Jordan, the Christian David had an unbelievable offseason um totally bought into his role really committed to the weight room he could have an impact uh you know you got some different guys henry battle he's played a lot of basketball as well and then you look at some of the newcomers they got an impact transfer in bryce Enzi. 10 points eight rebounds a game at milwaukee he was with laval jordan at milwaukee so there's already a relationship very unique player uh, big bodied, about 6'7", six, 6'8", six, strong. He can handle it. He can make plays. You know, he's a guy that can get a rebound and take off with it and kind of be a point forward. Uh, he'll really provide a big impact for Butler because they needed someone at that power forward spot that could that could defend and rebound and score in the post. Also got Derek Smiths. Uh, seven foot one grad transfer from Valpo. he had been a little bit slowed with some knee issues. He is the son of Rick Smiths. He averaged twelve point six rebounds. Again, tall, long guy. You need uh, a, paint, a paint presence. He can be. He can be that. Bryce Golden. I should go back and he is another uh, bigger bodied six seven forward that played a little bit last year. Uh, you know, he he is a pretty good post passer. He'll help Caliph battle. Uh, 6'5", four-star recruit, freshman, 23 points per game. Uh, the younger brother, Tyus Battle from Syracuse. Uh, he, he has got a scores mentality, pretty talented kid. John Michael Malloy, another 6'10", uh, incoming freshman, 14 points a game. His uh, he, strength's going to be an issue, but ultimately, I think he's going he's gonna to absolutely uh, make an impact as his career progresses. So when you look at Butler... You know, they're, they're, uh, they're a little more suited because of the the influx of NZ to have some more diversity with their offense. Uh, I think as long as Baldwin takes another step as a scorer and they can get some of those complimentary guys, Jordan Tucker, to make shots, this is a team that you know isn't going to beat themselves and be really rock solid in their execution. I think Laval Jordan does a really nice job, uh, and that's a proud program, man. They are going to play hard, and I think they're hungry for a bounce-back year. Uh, Creighton. Had an interesting year last year. Went to the quarterfinals on the NIT. Uh, could have easily made the NCAA tournament, but were, were really bad in close games. I mean, there were a few games where I mean, you almost got to try to lose with, with all the things that they, they messed up in the final two, three minutes of games. They're picked to finish seventh this year. I'd be surprised if they, if they aren't better than that. They finished tied for third last year, and they bring everyone back except Martine Cromple, which is a big blow, but not devastating, because ultimately, when you think of Creighton and their identity, it's pace, offensive transition, guard-oriented, and threes. They they have all that still. But the thing that's concerning is the injury bug has already sunk its teeth into the Blue Jays. Jacob Epperson, 6'11", uh guy that had a, a ton of potential, got banged up last year, had to take a medical redshirt, and then he... Broke his leg, a compound fracture in practice in the middle of October. He is out for the foreseeable future. Right now, Davion Mintz uh, is nursing a bum ankle. He's out for the first handful of weeks. Uh, Damian Jefferson is still nursing that ankle injury from a year ago. Uh, so they're, they're a little banged up. But what they do have is a loaded backcourt. Tyson Alexander, Mitch Ballack, Marcus Zagorowski. Then you had Davion Mintz once he's back. I mean, that's a that's a pretty good core of guards. And, you know, Mince's guy's played a lot of basketball. He started uh, Creighton's 59 previous games heading into this season. I just think when you look at the Jays' guards, that's as deep and experienced and talented of a guard core in the entire conference. The front line is thin, though. That's where the concern lies. Christian Bishop, most improved Jay, He's put on 20 pounds of muscle, uh, he's going to be really important. Kelvin Jones is an interesting grad transfer at Idaho State. It's his fourth stop in four years. Started at UTEP, then went to a junior college, then was at Idaho State, now at Creighton. 6'11", can run, not as quick-twitched vertically, so the flip-up, lobs, pick-and-roll to the rim won't happen as much with him. But he's a solid, strong player. Those two guys have to stay out of foul trouble. Uh, Sharif Mitchell. Is a is a freshman who's going to be an instant impact guy because he can really guard. He is awesome on the ball defensively. Uh, his offensive game still a little bit of work in progress, but he can really heat up the basketball. And the coaches just raved about this kid's toughness, how uh, how well he's kind of adapted to things at the college level. He's a guy to keep an eye on. The name to remember though is Denzel Mahoney, Southeast Missouri State transfer. 19 points per game there, shot 40% from three, about a six six kind of like wing forward. And he was 19th in the country in free throws made two years ago. So he can get to the lining and score in a variety of ways. He's eligible after the first semester. There could be nights he's Creighton's best player. Absolutely huge X factor to keep an eye on as Creighton's season progresses. But, you know, when you look at the Jays, what will decide their season? I think it's number one, health. And then two is toughness. That's something that's kind of eluded Creighton's program. They're a team that, you know, they kind of want it pretty. They want to get up and down the floor. They want the game to be in the 90s and or high 80s. And ultimately, in February and March, the game has a way of slowing down and becoming a grinder, and they got to figure out how to win those kinds of games. Can they dig in, win those rock fights? That'll kind of decide some things for the Jays. Next team, let's look at DePaul. They're a team that over the last few years, leading up to – you know, the last two or last year, probably, they just didn't have enough talent. You know, you look at the team, they just didn't have the, they didn't have the horses. But that is changing. They got some dudes on that team, but they lost a few pretty impactful dudes from last year as well. Max Struess, Eli Kane, Femi Elujabi, that's 45 points per game leaving between those three. And the big one is Struess. Every defensive game plan when DePaul was, was, when you're playing DePaul started with, how are you going to deal with Max Struess? So that's a big loss there, but. They bring back a guy whose ceiling is as high as anyone's in the conference in Paul Reed. He was the Big East most improved player last year, 6'9", versatile. Uh, he led the Big East in rebounding at 8.5 rebounds per game, finished third in blocks. He was efficient shooting from the floor, 56%. He is big time. Also bring back a couple other guys. Devin Gage, big-bodied, rock-solid, experienced point guard. Jamin, Jalen coleman lands is a transfer from Illinois. Broke his hand in December of last year, which kind of derailed what could have been a solid year for him. He's experienced, and he can shoot, which they will need with the departure of Struess. Jalen Butts is back, a forward that's played a lot of basketball, six points, six rebounds a game. Uh, but the big news that kind of changes the outlook for DePaul's season is the waiver that was granted for the Kansas transfer, Charlie Moore, to be eligible right away. Charlie Moore started his career at Cal, averaged 12 points per game there, then went to Kansas, kind of struggled a bit, but he can really score. I mean, he's a crafty, really good player with the ball in his hands. The one thing I will say is I did a couple of Kansas games last year. I was struck at how small he is. He's a small guard, not very long arms, not very tall. Uh, but, man, he's skilled, and he's got a knack for, sc- for scoring. So he's going to really help. So, you know, I mean, listen, you could kind of build a case that DePaul could be a sneaky, interesting team this year. But they, they're still in that process of building the foundation of learning how to consistently win. And with the departure of Struce that makes things tough. But between Paul Reed and Charlie Moore, it's a pretty damn good one-two inside out combination. Next team I want to talk about is Seton Hall, because they're the, you know, the the preseason favorite to win the to win the Big East. Tons of hype around this team, and deservedly so. They pretty much return everyone. They return eight of their top nine scorers, but the big one that's coming back is Miles Powell. I mean, he's an all-American candidate. Uh he he is just so tough to guard because he can score in a variety of ways. Threes, mid-range, paint, free throw line transition isos, pin down screens. He can make tough shots. He's not afraid of the big shot. The guy's just a flat-out warrior. And that that team, they're tough, they're hard-nosed, they're experienced, and they know exactly who they are. Plus, that they are unique to go against because they they will throw at you a matchup zone at times. This doesn't get talked about enough with them. I don't I don't get that they they switch up their defenses to play a matchup zone that gets people a little disjointed. Uh, one of my other favorites in the league is Quincy McKnight. I think he's the toughest player in the league, tough as nails, great defensively, the perfect guard complement to play alongside Miles Powell and the two other players that are crucial for Seton Hall this year. The first one is Miles Kale. Took a big, big step last year. 6'6", versatile, uh, second-leading scorer. And then the other one is Sandro Mamoukalashvili. Really skilled big. These are probably the two most capable offensive shot makers outside of Miles Powell. And people are going to be selling out to stop Powell. Sending a double team, really sinking help into the gaps. And if Mamoukalashvili and Kale can make teams pay, that changes things immensely. But my concern is... This is not a very good three-point shooting team. Seton Hall ranked 281st in the country in three-point shooting, dead last in the Big East last year. And the inability to make threes puts pressure on you to be perfect. And how well Seton Hall shoots the three, and in particular, Kale and Mamo Kalashvili score it will dictate a lot because I'm all in on Miles Powell. He's a great player. I think the ingredients are pretty are there for a pretty exciting year for Seton Hall. Next team I want to talk about is Marquette. Boy, been a wild handful of months for Marquette. S- stop and think about this. So late February, February 23rd to be exact, Marquette was 23-4 and four and ranked 10th in the country. And it was like, whoa, boy, look out. And then the wheels fell off. Marquette lost six of their last seven games, including getting ran off the floor in the NCAA tournament by John ja Morant and Murray State. Then... In the offseason, the Hauser brothers, Joey and Sam, both announced they are transferring right after Marcus Howard announced he was returning for his senior year. And very bizarre. The the easy dots to connect, or maybe you, know, you sit there and go, okay, did the Hauser's not like playing with Marcus Howard and all the shine and shots he was getting? And I don't know if that's the, the case, but if that is, I just don't get it. And I think that's weak. I mean, in my opinion... I don't know. I mean, does Howard shoot a lot? Yeah, but he's also the best shooter in the country. Yeah, I mean, He shot 40% from three. I guess I just don't necessarily view him as like a huge ball hog. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love the Hausers as players, especially Sam. I was up. Sam was one of my favorite players in the league, but I just don't quite get it. I, I just think it's a bad look for those guys when they were going to be starters. Starters on a team that was going to be in the preseason top 10 this year. And they chose sitting out a year and transfer over being starters on a top 10 team. Eh, that's bizarre to me. And who knows what the real situation or reasoning was. But either way, it's head-scratching. And it changes Marquette's outlook this year. But with this year, as I said, Marcus Howard's back, which is huge. Reigning Biggies Player of the Year. He's a National Player of the Year candidate. He's the best scorer in the country, period. He had multiple 50-point games in his career. He's just insane to watch. He's like the Steph Curry of college basketball. Can he improve? Sure. Is he perfect? No. He's got to tighten up his whole game, become a better passer, become a better defender, but he's the type of dude that can carry you a long ways. But, you know, with the, with the Housers out, that alters things quite a bit tangibly on the floor because think about it. All the ball screens, they're the lion's share of the ball screens, that were set for Marcus Howard were oftentimes set by one of the Housers, and those guys were knocked down three-point shooters, and Sam Hauser could post up guards if you switched. That alters the ball screen game a bit because those guys are gone. And then even when Theo John, for instance, came and set a ball screen, you had two knockdown shooters spacing the floor. Can clog the lane, can sell out on Howard. It's a little bit different. You, you read different things coming out of Milwaukee. Marquette has talked about playing big, potentially two like fives at the same time, and Theo John and Jace uh, Johnson, the Utah transfer, who's a seven footer which you know could be tough cuz with how clogged the lane is and that's two non-shooters on the floor that you can really kind of sell out to take Howard away we'll see but the but the big thing is this all last year whenever i watched marquette or did one of their games marquette felt like they were just a guard short they just they they just didn't have another backcourt player that could handle the rock and score that is different this year with Kobe McEwen, Utah State transfer. This guy's really talented. averaged 15 points per game, and I, I did. So I did Mar- Marquette and Seton Hall last year, and I was watching Marquette practice. And Kobe McEwen was Miles Powell on the scout team, and this dude was cooking. I was like, "Who is that guy?" That guy is awesome. So keep an eye on Kobe McEwen. He's really going to help take pressure off Marcus Howard. But you know. It'll be interesting to watch Marquette, you know, the front line and the finding the right accommodations and lineups. But here's the thing when you got a guy like Marcus Howard, you're capable of beating anyone, should be a very fun team to watch. Georgetown. First of all, all I can say is Patrick Ewing has impressed me. You know, you, you see some high profile coaches come to college, former players or whatever, and they don't appear to be all in or totally invested. L- let me tell you. Patrick Ewing is all in and invested. I, I remember watching. Uh, I it was like a noon tip, and I was going to have a pregame meeting with Patrick Ewing, and I walked back into the locker room, and Patrick Ewing was just had a had a table and chair set up with two computers. He was had a whole bunch of notes in front of him. He was watching film, going over things. I was like, this dude, this is Patrick freaking Ewing, and look at this dude, like all in on film, all in on the personnel. Let me just tell you, he's all in. I've been really impressed. And he's got those young guys playing hard and with a purpose. And it, I watched them go I, – I had the game at Marquette last year. Marquette at home, Pfizer form final regular season game of the year. If Marquette wins, they they clinch a share of the Big East crown. And Georgetown went toe-to-toe and beat them. I, I remember getting on the plane to go home and been like, man, look out. Their their trio of young players are exciting. You know, Josh LeBlanc, James Akinjo, Mac McClung, all back as sophomores, Akinjo uh, – just a tough, tough, good player. Freshman of the year in the Big East, led the league in assists. McClung is fearless and talented and athletic. He averaged 13 points per game. He needs to be more efficient. I think shot selection is huge for him, but you kind of, there's a balance here because you want to, what makes him great is that attack mindset, but you just want him to kind of have a little bit more intelligence with some of the stuff he does offensively. And then Josh LeBlanc, outstanding rebounder and a guy that you look at and he was just scratching the surface. Um, so their young trio is great, and they added two impact transfers who are going to be really good. Uh, Omar Yurtseven, NC State transfer, seven footer. He averaged thirteen points per game and six rebounds in NC State. He scored twenty points or more six different times in the ACC. Now, he's a really good player, really skilled, and with Patrick Ewing's guidance, he's he's going to be a big time player in the Big East. And the other. Edition was a Central Florida transfer, Terrell Allen. 6'3 guard, stuttered all 33 games for Central Florida last year, and he's been through the wars. Remember, in the NCAA tournament, who should have beaten Duke? Central Florida. Should have beaten Duke. And in that game, Terrell Allen had seven assists and four rebounds with Trey Jones and Zion and RJ Benner on the floor. Like, Dudes are, it's a real player. He'll help immediately. So I like their personnel. Their issue was sustaining focus on defense and sustaining kind of like execution on that end of the floor. And that's because they play a lot of young guys, but that has to improve. They ranked dead last in the big East and scoring defense. If that improves, look out because I think they got the offensive weapons. Georgetown's a sleeper to make some noise. Next team, Providence. Speaking of sleepers, Ed Cooley's got a sneaky, tough team, man. Now had a rough year last year, but that's because of injuries and youth. And, this was the first year in a while that Providence didn't have a true elite point guard. They went from Bryce Cotton to Chris Dunn to Kyron Cartwright, and all those guys were great clutch players. And last year, they didn't have that. Well, they might have it this year with uh, Louane Pipkins, a transfer from UMass. He averaged five point or five assists per game last year. You know, he, he's had over 100 assists two straight years. Really good point guard. If he hits... And as a baller, look out. Because that means guys like A.J. Reeves and David Duke can play off the ball and really focus on scoring. I think A.J. Reeves is a really good player. He was having a good year until he hurt his foot. And then you got the do-it-all Swiss Army knife, Alpha Diallo, 6'7", 18 points per, or 16 points per game, 8 rebounds, all Big East caliber player. They got size. They got toughness. And as long as Pipkins hits at that point guard spot, Providence has all the ingredients for an Ed Cooley team to really make some noise. So I think the world of coach Cooley, he can coach, look out for the friars to be a lot better than maybe a lot of people think next team to talk about St. John's Mike Anderson era is underway. Chris Mullen stepped down and <laughs> I mean, no offense, but Chris Mullen never just never seemed invested. He just didn't. And I won't get into it, do it much more than that, but, it, you know, listen, man, in college basketball and in the Big East, your head coach better be all in in every facet of being a head coach. Because in my opinion, that team woefully underachieved for two straight years. Raw talent, just roster talent, they were loaded. Loaded. So he's out. You bring in Mike Anderson. He comes from Arkansas. Experienced guy. I think his brand of basketball should mesh with the New York City area. Full court press, get after you type of identity. There should be players in that NYC area that can play that way. Uh, I do get nervous about, you know, can you really full court press good teams and and expect to turn them over? Eh, I mean, Bob Huggins has done it at times, but it's just hard. You really going to go, you can go to Villanova and full court press them for forty minutes? Eh, I don't know. Now we'll see. We'll, we'll we'll see. With this year, all I know is they got two really good players in LJ Figueroa and Mustafa Heron. Love those guys, especially L.J. Figueroa. I thought he was the most underappreciated player in the conference last year. Uh, Efficient, long, and then Mustafa Heron's a beast for a guard. One of those guys that's way bigger in person than he is on film. But after that, not a lot there. Now, with those two guys, St. John's should be in a lot of games with Figueroa and Heron, but it takes more than just two in the Big East. Feels like a transition year for St. John's, but I think Mike Anderson could work there in NYC, uh should be fun to watch them play as the season and uh, years progress. I can't believe we took this long to talk about Villanova. Uh, let's get into Villanova. Feels like a big changing of the guard at Nova in terms of personnel. Kind of the the last of the the title dudes departed, Phil Booth and Eric Pascal. But before we all discount Nova, keep this in mind. Villanova's won two national championships in the past four years. They won five of the last six Big East titles, and they're 90 and 18 in conference play over the last six years. This is a blue blood elite program that has been arguably the best college basketball program in the last five years. So, listen, you ready to count Jay Wright and Nova out? I'm not. I mean, of I will say this: doing what I do with Fox, of all the teams I've covered and talking to Coach and, and shoot arounds and practices, Villanova is always the most mature grown-up, button-up team in their pregame shoot-arounds. It's a bunch of, like, adults. It's crazy. Nobody playing grab-ass and not listening and all that stuff. Like, they are serious, and it shows with how they play. With all that said, it does feel like an interesting year personnel-wise. Nobody, like, you look at their pers- their roster, and there's nobody on paper that you automatically say, yep, all-conference guy, no doubt, right there. Now, it sounds to say they don't have some guys I like. Colin Gillespie, uh, tough winner. I mean, think about it. Javon Quinnerly, who was a you know, five-star guy, came to Villanova and couldn't beat out Gillespie. Couldn't beat him out. So, you know, the Quinterly left. I mean, Gillespie's a, a solid player. Jermaine Samuel, Sadiq Bey, Demir Cosby, Roundtree, all feel like they're ready to take another step. And that's kind of been the MO for this program. Not only do they recruit well, but they develop guys because they stick around. And that core group is in their second and third years at Nova. And this is their model, right? They get guys to stay three or four years. And they win. So I think it'd be foolish to think those guys won't take a step. Uh, the the guy that, that though, is the most important to me is their stud freshman, uh, Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Versatile 6'6 guy who just knows how to score and play. In a Villanova system, they keep it really simple. They rely on being able to guard you one-on-one and beat you one-on-one. And they do different things that just put you on an island, and you better be able to be up to the task. And I think Robinson Earl will fit that Uh so we'll see. Again, if there's a program that has earned a benefit of the doubt, it's NOVA. But they aren't necessarily just out of this world good on paper. But, man, I'm not ready to pick against them. My guess is when March comes around, they're going to be right there in the conference title race. And the last team to discuss as I take a drink here. I've been talking for a little bit. Okay. Let's talk about Xavier. I had a lot of Xavier games last year. And I've had a lot of Xavier games over the last handful of years. They were, they were a team... That when I'd, when I'd go down their roster, I'd say like, okay, I like that player. He's a good player. I like him. He's a good player. He's a good player. And then for whatever reason, they couldn't quite put it all together. So they were kind of up and down. And when they were down, it was because of two things. Number one, the lack of depth, especially off the bench in their backcourt. And then number two, their inability to make three-pointers. They really struggled to shoot it from beyond the arc. Outside of Ryan Wellich, their a grad transfer who's now out uh, or graduated. So, you know, a lot of teams would just plug up the lane, make life tough. And I also think it was an adjustment for the likes of uh, <clears throat> Quentin Gooden, Paul Scruggs, and Najee Marshall to adjusting to life without Trayvon Blute and J.P. McCura. J. P. And I thought at times Gooden and Marshall in particular took bad shots. But with all that said, they navigated and hung in there and finished the year strong, winning eight of their last 11 games. Uh, they went to the NIT, lost on the road. In overtime at Texas, and they they appeared to have hit their stride late. And you hope that kind of carries over into this year because that whole core is back. Gooden, Scruggs, Marshall, Tyreek Jones. And then they had a grad transfer who I think is a stud. Jason Carter from Ohio. I actually had Ohio played at Xavier last year and I had that game on TV. And Jason Carter was awesome. Had 17 points against Xavier, really, really big-bodied 6'8, good player. He'll help. Najee Marshall is a dark horse, biggies player of the year type of dude. He's got all the tools. I think Paul Scruggs is great. I actually think Paul Scruggs is their most consistent player. And when Gooden is on, he's awesome. He's just got to improve his consistency, though. All in all, if they, if they shoot it better from three, this is a team that I think is going to have a big bounce back year. And, you know, listen, credit Travis Steele for navigating a, a tough waters last year. And, you know, he's got big shoes to fill with Chris Mack and the mark of excellence he left on that program. But I think Steele is up to the task. Look out for the X Men. So there's kind of the teams, my thoughts on each team. And, you know, golly, predicting the 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 league is this is the hardest I've I think it's ever been to really kind of put a pen to paper and predict it. Because there's not a lot of separation between teams one and two and six, seven and eight to me. There's no dominant team like Nova the last few years. So I think this is a, a league where and this is how it sometimes is, one game could separate finishing second or third or finishing seventh and eighth. It's If I had to, I'd, I'd predict Seton Hall to win the league. I'd have Nova right behind him. Then I'd have Xavier at three, Creighton four, and then, then now you're just, I mean, it's kind of a coin flip. You know, Marquette at five, Providence six, Georgetown seven, Butler eight, DePaul nine, St. John's ten. But listen, man, uh, who knows? I have a great feel for these teams, but separating them is the hardest year to handicap the league since its new formed inception. In my opinion, I think the Big East can get six teams in the NCAA tournament. I think the league is really tough this year. Again, they don't have a a dominant team. They don't have a team that's going to be a one or a two seed, but it's really deep. Uh, I think that I, I will peg the Player of the Year preseason Player of the Year is Miles Powell because I think Seton Hall is going to going to win more games than Marquette. So you know, to the victor go the spoils. Freshman of the year, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, at uh, out of Villanova. Defensive player of the year, my boy Aaron Thompson out of Butler. I think he's a stud. Newcomer, Georgetown. Uh, Omer, you're at seven. Going to be a really, really good player. Uh when, when I my preseason all conference, I'll bet I'll kind of go the lame route. I'll go Powell, Marcus Howard, Najee Marshall, Taishan Alexander, and Alfa Diallo. Those will be the the five for me. If I was giving out some biggie superlatives. The best scorer, Marcus Howard, Marquette. No doubt about it. Best defender, I told you, Aaron Thompson. Unbelievable on-the-ball defender. Best passer, James Akinjo out of Georgetown. Uh, Best dunker, Mack McClung for Georgetown. I mean, YouTube that guy, my my lord. Most underrated, I'm going to go Marcus Zegarowski uh, at Creighton. I think he's a lot better than people think. Uh, And then the toughest player, Quincy McKnight, Seton Hall. That guy is just, uh, if I'm going into a dark alley, I want that guy with me. Uh, k- things to keep an eye on. Went over a couple of them, though, but uh, <clears throat> I'm going to give you seven impact transfers to keep an eye on. Told you about Jason Carter, from Ohio to, Z- to Xavier, really good big-bodied scorer. Kobe McEwen, told you about him, Utah State to Marquette. Uh, will really take pressure off of Marcus Howard, 15 points per game at Utah State, can score. Llewane Pipkins, UMass to, Prov- UMass to Providence, five assists a game last year, can run the PG. Uh, Omar, you're at seven, NC State to Georgetown, uh, was 13 points a game at NC State. Uh, he'll be a big time player for Patrick Ewing. Charlie Moore, Kansas to DePaul, really talented scorer, uh, not a very big guy, but he can score. Denzel Mahoney, Southeast Missouri State to Creighton uh, six, six versatile can play the four on the wing, uh, can be a, a, a really good player for the Jays when he gets eligible eligible at semester. And then Bryce Inzie, Milwaukee to Butler the kids going to be a, a really, really good player for Laval Jordan. Uh, so there you go. Seven impact guys right there. So that'll do it. Hope you guys, uh, enjoyed that. Um, be a fun year in the Big East Conference. Again, I'm going to be calling games on Fox, uh, be covering the the conference all year on this podcast as well. So uh, make sure you always are subscribing to the pod and uh, and and keeping up to speed on everything. That'll do it. Uh, should be a fun fun year in the Big East. Peace. A Parkville Media Production.